0: everybody in the Malifo community. This is James Hahn and we are Breach Burnt Podcast. And we are kind of representatives from the Midwest Malifo community. And yeah, why doesn't everyone go through and say your name and what faction you play freaking? <laughs>
1: hey, I'll go first. I I'm uh, Scott Helbling. I'm from Northwest Ohio area. I play Neverborn with a dabbling of Rezzers. I've been playing quite some time since the Crossroads 7 edition. Got into Malifaux because Warhammer Fantasy took a dump. And uh, this is the game I came into. So, And I've been playing it ever since. Loving every minute of it.
0: Nice.
2: My name's Brian. Uh, sometimes by the Pudgy Hobbit, if you catch any of the handles on Vassal or anything. play 10 Thunders as my primary. Masaki is still my uh, main lady. But I have definitely done some extensive dabbling into explorers and arcanists. Play out of currently Southeast Michigan over near the Detroit area, but have traveled all the way back up to play with all of these gentlemen, I think, pretty much at
3: some point across the state and Northern Ohio. Cool. Uh, I'm Zach. I am from the Northern Michigan area. I uh, mostly play resurrectionists, dabbling into explorers and half of the other factions in the game. <laughs> i got into Malafo after guild ball was unceremoniously murdered by its developer and i've been loving it ever since
0: awesome and again i'm james i play in grand rapids so the middle of michigan i've been playing since late second and i am a neverborn player through and through i rarely dabble with guild just because uh nelly does some nasty things so all right I guess that brings us to the purpose of the podcast. So I kind of have a couple objectives, but feel free to chime in, guys, if you have ideas as well. Basically, we're looking to provide some good Malifaux content for everyone, all voracious podcast listeners. So we love hearing about people talk. So we just figured we'd record ourselves as well. So we're going to be talking about all kinds of different topics ranging from like, beginner stuff all the way to advanced level or like tournament level Yeah, how about you guys?
3: I just love bullshitting about things I enjoy. <laughs> nice. Flip, flipping cards, pushing models. Yeah, dude. I all just right, like
1: well, to be able to voice my opinion and make people listen to me.
3: <laughs> yes, impose
0: it on everyone. Perfect.
1: Yeah, I
2: think it's always interesting, and so we always hope to bring something outside of the National Hive mind and give someone else a little creative flair, something else they might want to try out. I know some of us play on Vassal a lot, some of us don't. Some of us travel a lot and play in big tournaments. So we have a large variety of experiences and viewpoints on the game, and it brings up a lot of interesting things. So we hope to bring that all to you.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great great summary overall. (laughs) First real topic we have here is... Who is currently your favorite crew to play? So this is just like right now, I've been finding the real sauce with. Personally, it's got to be Lucius. I think I finally started to see the code in the Matrix, and things are finally turning into wins for me. So I've been running him a lot, both versions. I really like the flexibility. Kind of an unusual playstyle that allows you to really do kind of weird things with your crew formation and do unexpected things. So I guess that's what I like the most about it. What about you, Brian?
2: Right now it's been title Shenlong. Mm. He just has so much flexibility with a couple of hard counters. So I've been trying to get some tournament style practice in. And he can go very low on stones. And there's just so much the crew does overall. Mm. So it's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of movement There's a little bit of control, a little bit of aggro. So you can kind of do what you want with it. If it's not him, I always just got to bounce back to McCabe or Misaki, the original version. So <laughs> one of those three masters you'll see me playing usually.
0: And he turns off enemy upgrades, which can be pretty annoying sometimes.
2: Especially against Neverborn players. It's great.
0: Mm, yeah. How about you, Scott?
1: Well, my favorite master I've been playing a whole bunch of is Dreamer 2.
0: Mm, nice.
1: I was going to say Lucius, but you stole that. I've been playing quite a bit of Lucius 2 as well, but Kind of split between the two. But yeah, Dreamer 2, I just like his maneuverability, the ability to get another hand halfway through the turn. After turn one, if you're not really trying turn one, he's got a huge variety of models that he can bring to the pool. He can bring back Lord Chompy Bits, which, you know, no one likes to do. So a lot of people I've seen, they treat him like they do Kirio from Cry, because you know he can come back. So he doesn't get killed, so you just throw him in their face and make him deal with it. But yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. He's got a lot of different mechanics. And I think he's really good overall around Master.
0: Nice. I I agree and nobody disagrees. How about you, Zach?
3: Most recently, I've been playing a whole bunch of Tidal Von Stuck. Classic That's- version wow. was pretty notorious there for a while. He got... Brought behind the shed, shot up a bit. He's still pretty potent, but this new version brings a certain level of reliability and AP efficiency that I personally enjoy more than the original version. Original version I've preached about this quite a bit is pretty card intensive in his need for suits and relatively high cards, while Stuk 2 does not require any of that. Um, I've been testing around with bringing the corpse curator in with his lists it's pretty funky given that thing grave spirits touch and then having it remove itself to pulse out focus to the entire crew <laughs> and of course then of course you know schtuck can reposition models give them their second focus line everybody up just so you can it's almost like you're just pulling the bow back and then once once everything's in position you just launch them forward and absolutely shred things it's it's been an absolute blast. It's like I, I rediscovered my love for shtook with this new version. I can't wait to get his model on the table like his actual model.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really great. How titles really did revitalize a couple of keywords that I don't know if they're lacking, but just not as fun to play. So,
3: well, when you get when you get nerfed three erratas in a row, <laughs> a title kind of does help.
1: Yeah. So you're saying he pulled you back from the ledge?
3: I mean, I, I have a lots of other friends that keep me from going to the ledge, but it's nice to go back to my original love and Rezzers and have fun playing them again.
0: Nice. Very cool. Uh, so the next thing is, what is the current main way that you play the game? So this is about, do you play in person or in Vassal? Do you play against random people or best frenemies. And do you think you, the way you do it is good, or do you think there are issues with it? Um, can go first. So I play, I've been playing a ton on Vassal lately um, in Michigan. Unfortunately, we just haven't really been get, able to get like a weekly day together. Uh, I've been pushing monthly tournaments, um, and we're starting one up pretty soon here. Yeah, mostly Vassal, mostly against random people. Uh, although I do play someone in our like little group here pretty much every other week, and I play in Vassal like, every week, so it's a good balance, I think. A hybrid is the best because you kind of get a flavor for what the Vassal people think is the best, and you play against the best and the worst players there, while being in person is obviously the most fun, and it's fun hanging out with people. Uh, so let's go to Zach first on this one.
3: I've been playing almost exclusively in person. My local group of people tend to get together almost every single weekend to play. I do want to dabble a little bit with, with uh, Vassal, though I find it very clunky, to say the least. But it is a good tool for trying out new things and playing against people you otherwise wouldn't be able to. And I'm sure my friends are sick of playing my garbage every week
0: yeah there's definitely none of that how about scott
1: uh i do a bit of both um i'm kind of spoiled for being close to two meadows so i have our my local one that we meet every wednesday night well we haven't had a whole lot of show up here because real life happens but every other tuesday i go up to another meta in toledo ohio and that is a really good one. We've had, I think, as many as 14, 16 people on an open game night. Wow. That's um, awesome. Sometimes it's only four or five, but, and it's, it's sometimes it's quite a bit. And I also play on Vassal. I don't do the tournaments because my job, I would probably end up having to forfeit half of them because I work all the weekends. Yeah. But yeah. I do uh, play some against some specific people that have, days off in the mornings with me. So, um, I mean, there's some weeks I get five, six games in between Vassal and wow. real life. So, yeah, I'm pretty fortunate in that fact that I get, can get a lot of games in. I prefer the real life ones. I just, I like my plastic toys more than the little pictures. But it does, like uh, Zach said, it does give you a chance to try out some things that you don't normally get a chance to.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can try crews you don't even own, which is... Some idea, a ton for
1: sure. Yeah. Also, too, um, uh, with okay. a couple of the people I play with on Vassal, we have lots of time. So if you're tr- if we're both trying new things and it takes four or five hours to get a complete game, we can get a game in. Whereas maybe in person you don't have that kind of kind of time, especially if you have a drive there and a drive home.
0: Yeah, and you can always save and come back too, which I've done a few times. Yep. Correct. All right, Brian.
2: Uh, I am definitely a preferred in-person player. Uh, I also play down at the Dragon's Roost in Toledo, Ohio. Normally every Tuesday night, it's a great place. If you're anywhere in that area, you should check it out. They're great people. But I also do Vassal, a lot of people across Michigan and elsewhere that I've gotten to know that I just can't meet up with in person. And sadly, our game store that used to have in-game playing hasn't opened back up for in-game play for one reason or another. So, in the southeast area, we do a lot of house Malifaux still. It's been a little cold in Michigan for the garage, but uh, inside still been fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Alright, so what brings you to Malifaux versus other games? We know that the flavor and the lore is pretty unparalleled, I would say, amongst other games. Uh, There's the card mechanic. There's a lot of depth to the game. And pretty reasonable amount of balance i would say so
2: at the end of what would be second edition i jumped in i went out to the original packs unplugged and finally bought the box because they had venue there got the masaki box because i've been really digging the art of most of 10 thunders for a long time uh, and then playing it was just very unlike the other games i was playing at the time i was a little bit into guild ball I was really into War Machine and Hordes playing that very competitively at that time. But the fact that the terrain mattered way more, like mm. the actual decisions, and at the time it was extremely flavorful to the point where it actually kind of hurt the in-play game because mm. everything had its own individually unique name for most actions and abilities. Yeah. So it was fun to read and amazing on that aspect which brought me in, but I'm I was actually very glad third edition kind of slimmed that down, kept the flavor, but made it quicker to play
1: and easier for new players to get in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll start. go
1: next. Um, yeah. after, uh, I got out of Warhammer Fantasy, after they killed it, uh, I did look around at a couple games, uh, mainly Infinity and warm Hordes, and, um, I've never been a big sci-fi fan and there was no infinity meta around us. So I kind of put that game to the side and I did get demo in on warmer Hordes at a Toledo store. And when I'm doing the demo, there was, they had, they probably had about eight, 10 tables going. So I'm thinking, you know, this is cool. A lot of people playing, but then when three separate tables start yelling at each other over rules, I'm like, Oh, this isn't for me. So I looked into Malifaux and I just like everything you said, you know, small model count uh, i love the lore i mean lore is important to me you know that's one of the great things that gw does is they do have great lore models are great i love the new mechanic of the decks uh, i'm sure every player has many horror stories of dice you know rolling nothing but what seemed like ones and uh there was uh, a good meta both near where i live finley ohio and then there was also one in toledo so there's a lot of people playing it so that's yeah i just started that up my first two crews were lilith and pandora because who needs friends <laughs> and uh yeah just it's been uh downhill from then i did Neverborn all through second edition till the very end i was fortunate i bought a almost complete reser army at the end of second edition from a guy in the netherlands wow nice. and yeah and uh and they just, just love the game and love everything about the game. I guess you'd uh, call me a Malifaux stan.
0: <laughs> All right, Zach.
3: Yeah, well, like I had mentioned previously, I uh, jumped over to Malifaux after Guildvald was killed off. A uh, friend of mine from up north brought up Malifaux as a good jumping-off point to get into a, a new game. Uh, a local friend of ours has notoriously bad dice, always has, rolls terrible. So we thought that the uh, the decks might, might help her out a little bit there. I really enjoy the, the level of control and extra layers of uh, gameplay depth that the deck and having hands and the triggers off the suits and, you know, hand manipulation, deck manipulation, all those things um, I find to be. It, it's a certain level of uh additional play space that i think most games that use dice completely lose out on because it's just not possible to do in with a different system i really enjoy the the the, the pool format of the the, the schemes and strategies I, I find that to be completely and totally uh magical i suppose and how how it functions it's it's very nice it, it forces you to have like parallel thought processes on how you play and score within the game but yeah when I when I started off I much like a lot of people jumped into Neverborn first I uh, got Dreamer and Pandora to start off still love them to death but my local players were not as fond of uh, dealing with <laughs> Dreamer summoning all sorts of nonsense and. Pandora saying, no, you can't activate, that person over there has to. <laughs> so uh, I moved on to Resurrectionist because, quite frankly, I have a thing for the biggest, grossest, most disturbing monstrosities possible. And so that seemed like the, the next uh, best place to go. Stuck was the master that made me want to go over there, but at the time, most of his boxes did not exist yet. So I picked up the Nightmare Molly crew and molly was my girl there for ever in a day still over to death and i love all things uh mean and green at this point
0: very cool as far as me um i didn't really play miniatures games until i was out of college because i didn't have any money for them because they obviously cost a lot of money i got into gw because that's what you can buy pretty much anywhere you go i got big into Age of Sigmar, Warhammer, with the Nurgle. I still have, I should have got them ready, but still have a great unclean one somewhere. And it was a lot of fun. It's fun setting up like a ton of models and killing tons of stuff, but ultimately kind of comes down to like where you put stuff on the board for turn one and then the non uh, trading off activation orders means that somebody sometimes is going to take two entire turns which can be like an hour where you're just sitting there not doing anything so our other friend rob uh, he did a demo of alpha and i got hooked right away um been playing neverborn for a long time i i like to play i guess crews that the internet generally dislikes for various reasons but uh I have a lot of fun with it and yeah malifo you have a lot of control over what happens to a degree black jokers are, are still a thing but uh yeah it's a great game and i'll probably play it till the wheels come off so how about some advice for your younger self when you started the game i know personally when i started out i lost a ton uh, the first game i played was against our friend jeremy who played perdita against dreamer and he shot dreamer off the board turn two and that was pretty much the game for me so i've always had a hard time playing neverborn i think we're generally pretty glass cannony, and positioning is pretty unforgiving but i think if you stick with it you'll find it's pretty rewarding and eventually it'll start paying out big for you so how about we start with scott this time
1: i i would yeah concur with that my younger self in malipo some advice Probably trying to be more patient uh, coming from a warhammer fantasy i was more like okay here's my models i push them in the middle of the board and see what happens and since i was playing neverborn it would usually mean i was getting shot off the board but once 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 i learned the more subtle things of it uh it started coming around and yeah, that's that'd be my, just being patient, learning everything try not to jump around like I said I bought Lilith and Pandora and I think two weeks after that I bought two more masters and was playing all these different things and wasn't learning it I think as fast as I could have that would be the biggest one just being patient and uh, learning the cruise instead of just going "Ooh, look at this new shiny "Ooh, look at this new shiny and uh just sticking with what I can learn and what I like
0: and I mean that's hard especially when you're running a master a bunch, and they feel like you are picking them into the worst possible matchup of faction, master, and scheme pool. But even in those games, I think you figure out kind of sneaky ways to make things happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, and actually, one other thing is learn uh, learning from the community. When I first started playing, I wasn't really aware of how many different avenues you could get information from like podcasts or YouTube videos and stuff like that. And I think also too, that helps accelerate your learning when you can either watch games or hear people's advice, you know, on different crew ideas and different strategies on how to score your points and keep your crew alive.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, Brian next?
1: The first bit
2: of advice I'd give myself is, was to pick up Hinamatsu.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not knowing that there'd be some of these issues that have, been happening the last couple of years it's been frustrating because i really am an in-person player to not have the available models in michigan in particular we didn't at least grand rapids area at the time no one would carry the product you couldn't even get them to special order it at the time when tui was around uh so when i was at pax i would i just went whole hard and bought out everything <laughs> because there was definitely a lot more i wanted to get into we just couldn't Rob who will be on this podcast another time was the guy I bought it into it with and we should have just bought more uh, and then just played more. Cause then we would have had more to show off and more to get more people interested. Cause it's hard to get more people in the game when they can't get any models
0: absolutely and one good resource I've found on is if you use Facebook, the, there's a weird trade and off topic. People will basically sell off their whole collection or a faction of stuff and you can get a lot of stuff with like really nice paint jobs. I got an Iggy with like the Majora's mask skull kid mask on him, so that was pretty sick. Um, so there are ways to do it but yeah it would be great if retail stores could could carry product regularly.
3: Yeah, I guess I would uh, tell myself that it's okay not to win every duel, <laughs> and that you don't have to cheat every single time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a negative flip is good enough. Oh yeah, especially when you have hard to wound. Good, good lord, stop forgetting that you have hard to wound. It's okay, you'll be fine. Otherwise. Just try to loosen up some. it doesn't need to be so damn serious all the time,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know that people talk a lot about how much luck there is in the game. I mean there's certainly a tremendous amount of control, but red and black jokers can sometimes really just turn the game on its head and that's kind of part of the game too, so gotta gotta learn to with the punches
3: for sure yeah I uh had a game with one of our locals, Derek. It was us testing out Vassal. Speaking of Red Jokers, I got Valedictorian up into Cooper. And then he he turns around. She's almost dead. Starts punching on Val. Red Joker's on damage one attack. And then on his next attack, he runs out of cards in his deck midway through the damage flip. It shuffles, flips again. Red Joker again. Two, two damage flips in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tilted beyond belief, but frankly, Valedictorian is a Red Joker magnet on damage. It happens almost every other game for me, I swear.
0: Yep. Yeah, I can definitely see that.
1: Let's see, if you're worried about the Black Jokers, you just take two Ancient Packs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a unique advantage us Neverborn guys have. Definitely. Um, it
3: doesn't stop them from Red Jokering you on damage, though. Mm-hmm. True.
0: think sticking with crews is, is important. I think experimenting is kind of just part of how I play, so learning to lean into that is has been good for me. Well I've I've taught myself a few things. A lot of stuff just by playing vassal by myself. That has been pretty awesome lately. I practice my unpack and run through just like all the possible things that can happen. And you can even unpack your opponent's crew. It's a lot of work but It kind of gives you a certain amount of respect for certain crews that uh, seem like they just stomp your face every time. But uh, sometimes there's a lot of work that goes into that. So that's good to keep in mind too. I
2: wanted to add one last thing into that is Mm -hmm. don't be, That kind of what Zach said too, is don't be afraid to lose and don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to play the things that are bad. Supposedly. (laughs) It might just be a different play style that you find works really well for you. I've definitely gone into games going, I'm going to pick this list. It doesn't seem at all right for this pool, but I want to know what the models do. And got way better as a player uh, playing different models, getting different abilities down, finding the interactions that would help in other instances. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, I concur. I've had a lot of success with Molly, despite the internet telling me that she's terrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and we've we've all been spanked by that a few times, so... Next topic is, what is your motivation for maining a crew or running it, you know, maybe 15 out of 20 games in a row? Do you like to prove the haters wrong? Do you like to just run the best of the best and demolish everyone? Or do you dabble around kind of like me and I, at best, stick to like three masters at a time?
1: Uh, Well, I like to... uh play right here recently playing playing all the new titles and never born mm. and uh so i like to give them all a run see what i like see what i don't like what works for me what doesn't work for me because uh what you know everyone says is the best it may not be my play style because i for except for a few exceptions i'm typically not the most aggressive player so i don't uh, OG Nakima, it's not my play style. I played it maybe three or four times. I see the greatness, but it's just it's just not my play style. So I just play what I like, you know, like I was saying before, ooh, the new shiny. And just play to have fun, uh, you know, especially if I like the models. I like painting the models, even though it takes me forever in a day. I just want to have those nicely painted models on there, on the table, and uh, having a good cohesive crew and... I mean that's and um, that's about it. I just I like to try a little bit of everything and see what uh see what sticks.
0: I like it. How about you, Zach? I
3: have a bad case of mechanical ADHD. I go and I read a bunch of cards. Go, ooh, that sounds fun, and then I go and try it. Um, however, I've been trying to reel myself in and at least get a certain number of games in per crew before I jump off onto the next thing that. That gets me all hot and bothered. But typically speaking, it's just a matter of whatever kind of strikes my fancy at the time. I I build out an initial crew. I try it out, and then I just start iterating on it, trying to find, like you've mentioned before, the secret sauce. You know, the, the code in the matrix, that that thing that just sort of lines up perfectly with how I want to play something. And usually once I've learned it and I've got it down enough, I think it it works extremely well for me, even if it is a bit contrarian to standard knowledge online or or not. I mean, in the case of like Yan Lo recently, everything I was trying was exactly what everybody else was trying. So sometimes that's just how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I think everyone figured out Yan Low too, like at the same time somehow. Like
3: yeah, yeah and I was I was so excited cuz I, I hadn't heard anything about that crew and then I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this podcast we're gonna talk about it and then <laughs> we we go to record it and then everybody's like man Yanlo 2, how about this shit? I'm like oh my god. I just sound like a big old echo chamber.
2: <laughs> Shoulda been a Kiri2 podcast.
3: Oh yeah, cuz yeah, cuz ain't, ain't nobody knows anything about Kiri2. <laughs> Everybody's sleeping on her super hard. Oh my god. Most most broken master, I think.
0: I'll just say, fuck her, that mod. Let's go to Brian. Uh,
2: When it comes to maining a crew, I play in two different types of modes. There's a lot of times it's, I painted this model, or I repainted this, or uh, this looks cool, so I want to play it, which happens most of the time in the casual times I'm playing. But then there's the tournament style mode where, oh, there's a tournament coming up. And for me, I like to main one master, solo it for the whole tournament if possible. Mm. Thankfully in 10 Thunders, I can kind of do that. I, don't have, to, I have enough <laughs> masters that go into most pools that I will go into that mode and I'll play that master for a month leading up to it for almost every game. So getting in between 10 and 30 games and before. And then I get tired and then I don't play that master again for until the next tournament. Because it always goes back to either McCabe or Masaki, usually.
0: <laughs> when you do that, do you typically run the same list over and over, or do you change it up like every game?
2: I tend to tweak it slightly. Honestly, with my, those two masters, I have a list that's very much my play style. It may not be the best for the exact pool, but I know how to run that list, and I will go. I'll try a few new things, or try to work it out. Others tech picks based on who i'm playing against but for the most part it's you know a core list of about 35 stones and then whatever's left is those tech picks that i would use so when it's tournament time it does get boring by the end of it but easy on the brain
0: yeah and that's that's a value in and of itself i think what is your most underrated model or models right now this is a bit of a tricky one but i think That people are sleeping on Hildegard. And I think that she's just the best. And everyone hates her. Because. She doesn't really have defenses. Which is a fair. And people have definitely. alphaed her and just killed her off. Had that a couple times. But if you're a little smarter. With your initial setup. I think you can. I think there are ways to protect her. Either with other physical bodies. Or. Terrain or something, and if she does get to that mid game, she can do a lot because that unassuming demeanor, negatives are positives on damage. It can it can surprise people, and uh, drawing a card for free is always
3: nice. Honestly, I think I have to go back to my girl Molly. The internet says she sucks. I get it. Her keyword is rough, and I wish they could fix a number of things with them. Having every single enforcer and henchman have four defense minus the totem is kind of whack but at least the way i play her i think i get a lot of bang for my buck in this current uh, gg environment and just the the pre-malifaux burns environment where it's just marker spam everywhere and and such, I think she brings a lot of value. Um, being able, I mean, lost knowledge, being able to eat any of those markers draw cards, I think is one of the best abilities in the game. Everybody who has it knows it's amazing. crueligans are just the hottest four stone model to have ever exist. Fuck you, fight me. Really um, push those to the limit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love those things so much. But no, honestly, like she she has so much card draw to where If you can get the rhythm of her down, knowing when to activate her, when, when to use her and how to use her, she could support upwards the three massive beaters if you need it. Um, she herself is extremely dangerous. Depending on your opponent's hand state, you could smack people for min three irreducible three times. It's just really good when when played out well and is it one of those crews where i'm just blowing smoke up my ass and maybe i'm just decent at playing it maybe um is it a situation where other people don't want to give her the time of day because from a mechanical standpoint there are clear downsides that you have to overcome maybe are there other things that are just more AP dense in their function? Yeah, definitely. But honestly, I think she's such a dark horse at this point that when she comes out, people oftentimes don't know what to expect because it could be so varied. And I think that is an edge that she has that not too many others can boast.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm on that Lucius 1 train till the day I die, I think. And somebody else on a podcast was saying, number two is amazing but he is pretty card intensive because he himself is doing everything and then the rest of his crew is kind of out of gas so uh, i think i think the first one has value
2: i'd like to say asami too but i still cannot make her work yet myself i've tried things the internet has said I've tried different things myself i've tried double master non-double master I can't get her to work so i'll probably have to stick with ruffians they aren't amazing but they are an a great tech piece I think that doesn't get taken a lot of times because they are a five-point model with easy focus and has ruthless and when you're going into Rezzers or never born a lot it can (laughs) be great I've had more damage come out of ruffians than they weren't expecting and take out some key models just because they they're unassuming most people think oh they're they're not going to do much two three four they do have burst damage and they can regain focus And if you're taking them in a McCabe crew, they're just turned up way more than their five points are worth. They can't chain gang as much, but they're getting that. They're passing around the upgrades and drawing a lot of cards with Know Thy Enemy.
0: Nice. How about you, Scott?
1: Well, I would have to say my most underrated model is Iggy. Mm, Does he die to a stiff breeze? Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. But uh, for a Neverborn crew, especially in uh, obviously taking them in keyword with Pandora, he can do some work. Uh, anyone who has used Reckless before knows how key that can be. Oh, yeah. uh, he can be doing a lot of backline things for you, like, say, for instance, running your lodestone, or uh, he's good at taking out the very flimsy scheme runners that maybe people are putting on the sides. Backfield protects your scheme markers by blowing them up, and it just uh, can be surprising amount of damage, too. I mean, his first punch that hits is going to be min 3 and can move models around uh, with uh, Pandora 2, push them around. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have him by hazardous, you can throw him in the hazardous. He does a lot of work for me um, when I have him. Now, he's not an always pick, but he's definitely something I look at when I'm bringing out uh, either Pandora and or playing against dirty terrorist Caris. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, and that arson ability is enough that I kind of consider him almost every game, just a little bit. I don't take him very much, but I do think about him. So there's there's been talk recently on the airwaves that uh, Neverborn is the most losingest faction in the game, based on certain statistics that were released. Uh, so this one is pretty much just the hot take section of the podcast, I guess. So
3: um, so most of those stats, well, all of those stats rather, came from Vassal World Series games where, uh, and like it's been mentioned previously, it, it does seem like a lot of Neverborn players have a tendency to use their World Series games to experiment and play around with things. It seems like there's been a lot of that going on lately within Neverborn in general. With that said... I actually recently looked at the Longshanks stats that have been going for like the last roughly year or so, which actually has never borne closer to the top. In fact, with a, I think a roughly a 55% win percentage with a couple hundred or so odd games there. I haven't had a chance to dive into that more, but I think um, a lot of that just sort of, sort of has to come down to the fact that while it, we are pushing up on a year since Burns came out, the release schedule for certain factions have not been as kind as others. As a reserve player, I've been pretty uh, fortunate that most of my masters have gotten their title models out already. Not everyone plays Vassal. A lot of people wait to get their models before they even try things. So I think a lot of the community as a whole is still very much in a experimentation and testing phase. I know I sure am. Um I don't have the time necessary to get in as many games as I was I would like with all of the titles and all the new all the new um crossover models that could allow certain new permutations and manipulations within your previous list builds. Like I mentioned previously I'm only just now dinking around with throwing in the corpse curator and finding finding some fun things with that. I think Neverborn's status as being that we don't have guns, we are glass cannony sort of play style that they tend to permeate, it leaves them in a less forgiving position to experiment, and therefore they're more likely to take a beating during that phase than, say, some of our more fortunate factions like resurrectionists and thunders where we have a lot of the tools necessary to counter things just inherently or just you know stacked defenses or stupid amounts of like model summoning and such you know i'm talking about (laughs) so i think in that regard um from a mechanical standpoint neverborn does lack certain things that make it easier for them to make mistakes and get away with them in comparison to other factions.
0: Okay, yeah, I like that. Uh, well,
2: building on being able to make mistakes, I know when you generally ask around, some of the most iconic models and masters and things in the game are out of Neverborn. Some of the mm-hmm. most unique models are in Neverborn, so you're going to get more of the newer players I think, that are attracted to the game going in. and I think it's been said in other places, but you can ask around here, most of us have Neverborn models because we either started that way because they looked cool or we picked them up because they look cool.
3: It honestly sounds like all four of us started with Neverborn.
2: (laughs) Very close after uh, 10 Thunders. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, they are. They're just cool. I was never... Guild suffers. I like some of the new titles, and I actually love a lot of the Bayou mechanics and gameplay, but I've never been a green skin type of aesthetic person, so it's harder for me to get those models, paint those models up, and dedicate it to it even though I could play them on Vassal, because they're just little tokens. <laughs> Great to little tokens. I'm not actually seeing these little tiny gremlins going around or pigs. Because Ulix is amazing. Uh, Ulix too. (laughs) So I I think it it gets the bad rap because a lot of people start out trying to learn with certain factions because they either Rezzers or probably Neverborn. And Rezzers, you can make more mistakes. You're hard to wound, extra model, extra wounds on almost everything. So you have a little more leeway compared to uh, Neverborns. That's just my hot take on why they seem to be losing
1: more. Well, I think Brian and Zach both made uh, excellent points. I'm going to go a little bit more conspiratorial, is that (laughs) we are submarining the Vassal World Series. We want everyone to not look at Neverborn as a threat. Oh, this will be an easy win. We got this one in the bag. And then, bam, you get 8-0'd. It's halfway through turn two, and all your models are dead. So that's (laughs) what it is conspiracy that we all the Neverborn players and now I'm going to be in trouble because the High Council will be coming after me for letting out the secrets
3: the Autumn Court rather yes the
1: Autumn Court um, <laughs> that this this. I'll say I've played against some very dirty
2: Neverborn lists Lucius 2 with the Emissary for one <laughs> Ooh,
0: that <sighs> sounds like a fun option
2: it's, it's not fun to play against there's lots of <laughs> markers on the board and it's all hazardous and nasty
3: I still think Pandora 2 is one of the grossest things that they put out. It was everything I wanted Pandora 2 to have and therefore I know it's too good.
2: uh, I think I just look at it as a 10 Thunders player and go it's not that bad. (laughs) All my stuff (laughs) takes well into it.
0: Yeah, well you guys have tech for everything, so. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I know.
3: Most ruthless models in the game.
2: Uh, And actually I think Neverborn's sleeping a lot uh, on Nekama 2 because she's not, I think, most Neverborn playstyle, but I've played against her a couple times now, and there's a lot of weird interactions that she can do that threw me off playing against the Neverborn. I used to most Neverborn lists playing a certain way, seeing the giant matures come in and smash my face when terror tots are now hitting the table and then they're blowing up my face.
1: <laughs> and there's a lot of moving parts you can miss with a uh, Nekoma too.
3: Yeah, I think she very much benefits from being one of those uh, one of those masters where the title is so inherently different from the original version, where it it allows you to switch hit people really hard if uh, if they're not expecting it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's exactly why Pandora is kind of a viable pick into a wide variety of stuff now because we have to play against like uh, Rezers and Bayou, who can just put Ruthless on anybody. And if they're potentially paying four stones for nothing, that is like a pretty huge just wrench to throw into the mix. So, yeah. Let
2: alone switching it to having a uh, luck thief so that if they're expecting to use all their positive flips and they can't even hardly touch her.
0: <laughs> yeah, i played Pandora 2 a few times and she do- people attack her and she doesn't really just want
3: it too bad. Yeah, I know Parker hates running up against that.
2: Oh, yeah, with Shenlong yeah. too and expecting to get on my positive flips and then he throw down Pandora too. And I'm like, Oh
3: yeah. Then Pandora can also do the trick with the, uh, with the wicked doll giving herself the adversary. So everyone on the other crew for the most part gains a positive, like it's converted into a negative, just making her the least attractive target on the entire table.
1: You know, also, also kind of you can benefit if, uh, when you give her the adversary for your opponent giving one of your models adversary woe which then if you need to do anything to that model gives you a plus flip plus then you can also convert that with pandora 2 to focus or fast or something like that later in that turn
0: nice i've actually seen that in lucius a little bit people will and then put adversary elite so that you could get a positive with your lawyers which is pretty nice on your own guys i mean you can you can actually do it on other people too, because it's there's no TN, I think.
3: So, is that the setup it, for the uh, for the obey then?
0: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it makes you a little more efficient. Although, with Cavatica now, that's not as important in my opinion. But not everyone rates him that well. So,
1: well, they also did it with when they had the whole stitch together factory with Widow Weaver and the new henchman. And Vasilisa, you would give your models uh, adversary, and then when you're doing stuff to them, you're getting plus flips, so it's a little bit less strain on your hand, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, Klaus Norwood is the guy. Yes, the Klaus. He's my favorite.
3: Same to keep pushing the boxes back.
0: Yeah, he he does weird stuff, and I think, like Brian was saying earlier, infiltrator is just one of those weird things that you just have to play it a bunch to see all the interactions. So there was a game I was playing where a Hooded Rider was stuck in a building and Klaus was standing in the dirt and he was trying to blast and kill all my squishy changelings. But Klaus is considered
3: friendly, so you can blast off of yeah. him.
1: Pandora does not like the Infiltrator ability. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's I very good it. against Terra as well. Almost 90% of the things on her model's cards all say enemy only. Yeah.
1: Too bad it doesn't say that on 33.
3: Yeah, well, that's part of why 33 is a problem.
2: You know what's not a problem? Yasunori.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That is a model I want to see on the table so bad, but nobody I talk to about is willing to even, like, consider it. The only only place where we could kind of half-ass think of something is, like, with Mei Fang. Like, if you set up a whole bunch of hazardous somewhere, then you just have him walk up and just start shifting everybody with his abilities. <laughs> but even then, do you really want to spend 11 stones on that?
1: I, I saw enough of him in 2nd like... edition. I don't need to see him in 3rd.
2: <laughs> I don't need him to be OP. I just would like him to have enough defense tech so I could take 11 stones and not just have it die to a stiff breeze. Because as soon as your opponent gets rid of part of their hand, he's just down for it. So maybe having a built-in mask on defense and willpower, so then you still have, like, pseudo-armor one.
3: No other defense tech. Maybe fly with me would be nice.
2: Actually, I, I like his current bonus actions, because they do a fair amount of work when you take them.
3: Admittedly, my my opinion on him is pretty lacking, because I've literally never seen him on the table, so everything I... I have to say about him is pretty pretty theory though at this point because does he exist really?
2: He is the magical unicorn of the Ten Thunders faction.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's the writer. I don't think anybody disputes that. Um. Well, any any final thoughts, guys? Any more any more hot takes to share? Is Terra two OP?
3: <laughs> if she's not OP, she's one of the most frustrating things I've ever played against.
0: Yeah. I can definitely see it. I think there are like a couple things that can deal with her a little bit, but it's not a lot of things, and not most crews, I would probably
3: say. Yeah. What do you guys think is going to be the next big boogeyman master after everybody stops whining and crying about Yanlo too?
2: Stuk too. Or no, it's going to be Karai too because she's broken,
3: but... <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll make you guys all hate Stook too. too. Brewy 2. Brewy mm-hmm. 2 is fucking annoying. Yeah. I've only played one good. game against that, and it was frustrating.
0: <laughs> uh, I like, I think Euripides 2 is going to get on people's nerves pretty quick because people don't like having their cards touched, and uh, it's almost like having intuition on every model, and then sometimes intuitioning your opponent's turn, too, so it's kind of wild the number of cards you just look at physically.
2: Sometimes on your opponent's turn? I've I've played against Yuri, too. It's often that your (laughs) beers just get touched. I'm gonna... No, I guess I'm not gonna hit you, because my stuff's gone.
0: Yeah, the more common problem is to have... to be going way over the max on runes, and just having... too so many, you can't spend them
3: all fast enough, so... It's funny how quickly everybody seemed to have forgotten about Lynch too, even though he's still a problem.
2: It's only a problem for certain factions, really. Yeah, you don't want to bring him into a lot of resers because the focus bomb that you build up to to go hit doesn't do as much with all the hard to wound. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Too much armor too much hard to wound, it's, it's not a good fit. That thing can alpha like nothing, but if if all your focus means nothing when you're trying to build up from double negative.
3: Plus, a smart player would bring something with Lantern of Souls so that they can just absolutely work Huggy and not let him go back to Mommy. Yeah, or just deny healing. Mm -hmm. There's that too. Oh, I guess. uh,
1: So so more Rezzer that uh, denies uh, Jacob Lynch. So just no Jacob Lynch (laughs) in the Rezzers, no matter what the Master is. (laughs) Or 10 Thunders no mirror match
0: <laughs> first give a shout out to steam powered scoundrels and rage quick wire they definitely have kind of encouraged us a little bit as far as getting started i write some stuff on a blog called neverborn till i i got a lot of opinions there yet to be disputed nobody comments on my posts but uh, a lot of Neverborn facts there to be read. Um, and I also put my battle reports on YouTube. Uh, if I get enough subscribers, then I can actually have a readable URL. So uh, how about you guys? Do you do any other Malifaux stuff at your free time?
1: Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Brian mentioned it earlier, but a uh, shout out to Dragon's Roost in Toledo, Ohio. They have a great store and a great Tuesday night Malifaux scene. So if you're ever in the area, stop in. We love to have uh, new faces.
0: Yeah, they have beer and coffee. I think there, so that
2: that's no nice. beer, but lots of great uh, drinks.
0: Oh, cool. Okay.
2: <laughs> and I'll say, if you are listening to this and you are in the Michigan area, we are all over the state. So reach out, and uh, we'll get some more home games in because there's not a lot of stores, but there's still plenty of us in hidden pockets here in Michigan that are willing to play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hoping, hoping the Michigan men can come up and rear its head, maybe clash with Texas one of these days. We'll see. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully we're going to be putting out a lot more of these. Uh, we're all pretty passionate about Malfo and we got a lot, of, a lot of ideas to share with everybody. So hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and hope to talk to you again soon.